when we're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Camp house time again at Kinder Outdoors from the Vineyards Campground and Cabins on beautiful Grapevine Lake, Texas. I'm Billy Kinder. Welcome. Front door to the camp house is brought to you by America's number one selling, best selling, best acting canine probiotic, Fortiflora, from the trusted name Purina. Fortiflora. Boy, we had a couple of great days this week. I got up one morning. Uh, to go out and get my bike ride in, get a little exercise, 68 degrees. <laughs> that was nice. And now, well, it's back to August reality here in Texas and in a whole lot of other places, too. But, hey, dove season's a week away. The dominoes are starting to fall. The leaves will, too, before too long. Got a great camp house for you today. We're hanging out with the guys from DU, Ducks Unlimited. Going to find out what those fall ducks are looking like. You know, September teal, just days away. Mike Brashear is the senior waterfowl scientist at Ducks Unlimited. We're going to step through all the flyways with Mike today. But we're going to start in the great state of Maine that's home to the International Wildlife Crime Stoppers Organization. Have you ever heard of them? I want you to meet the new executive director, our old friend Lewis Rather has stepped down at IWC, and the new executive director is Lieutenant Wayne Saunders. Hey, welcome, Wayne. It's sure good to have you with us. Thanks so much, Billy, for having me and to talk about International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. I'm really glad to have you here because you guys do important work, and I think a lot of people don't know uh, that you exist. We've all heard about, you know, Wildlife Crime Stoppers uh, maybe in our states and the different uh, programs that we have to battle poaching. Uh, but a lot of people didn't know there's an international organization. You are the executive director of that organization. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yes, I'm a fairly new executive director, but I've been with the organization since 2008, so I'm, I'm pretty well-versed in it. So um, we're, we're kind of like the parent company to the TIP programs you know, across uh, North America, you know, the turn in the poachers, the Operation Game Thieves, the Wildlife Crime Stoppers, uh, that each state has some way to report wildlife crime. And what we do is we organize, we integrate, we network, and we work on bigger projects with them throughout. We just got done our conference and there was a lot of talk about, you know, uh, improving data, improving sharing. Uh, and we, we talk about how wildlife crime is reported uh, nationally and internationally. And we have also programs that uh, supplement some states. You know, uh, Indiana is working on a 2009 budget, so we're hoping to help supplement some of their things with educational, anti-poaching educational trailers that they can drive around the state and show people the good work they've done, educate them about poaching, we also have a decoy grant for states that have a hard time purchasing decoys or don't have funding for decoys. You know, that's a decoy deer, decoy moose, decoy elk, uh, even decoy turkeys. So we're primarily in North America, although we've had some reaches in, in Africa and such, but we're primarily in North American. Members are usually law enforcement organizations across the United States and Canada. Yeah, very important work for you to have this kind of interest in our wildlife and wild places mm -hmm. and the protection of those things. You must have a, a history there. Did you grow up hunting, fishing, and in the outdoors? 
I did. I did. I wanted to be a, a game warden since I was six years old, and every game warden writes a book when he retires, and I wrote a children's book, uh, The Cowboy in the Woods, that talks about <laughs> kind of my interaction with a game warden. It's my story just put to different names and in kind of a different thing and has a little investigation so I can inspire the next generation of game wardens. But, yeah, so I grew up hunting and fishing, and that, that's what we did as a, as a family. And meeting that game warden in the woods at six years old had that profound impact on me where I wanted to do it for my career. And I was a, a conservation officer for the state of New Hampshire for 23 years and retired as a lieutenant. And now I'm involved with uh, International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. You know, if they go onto our website, wildlifecrimestoppers.org, there's, there's ways there that the people can help us. We're the kind of the catalyst to law enforcement, supporting law enforcement. If we think about the the North American wildlife plan and how we implement that. We, we save land. We biologize. And I made up that word. I, I'll take credit totally. Someday it'll be in the Webster's dictionary. I, I like that word. I like that <laughs> word, Wayne. I'm introducing it to my vocabulary now. I'm writing that down. Please, please do. Because, you know, and, and that's great. There's a lot of nonprofit organizations that do that, but we forget about the teeth in the game. And without law enforcement, we can't be effective. And to be honest with you, I, I think states are reducing, you know, game wardens, and, and we're going to be the police in the woods. Uh, so we need help. We need help organizations like, uh, you know, other nonprofits to help International Wildlife Crime Stoppers, and we are that catalyst to help law enforcement. Give us the website, Wayne. Tell us how we can get there. What is it? It's wildlifecrimestoppers.org. So wildlifecrimestoppers.org. Lieutenant Wayne Saunders, we want to stay in touch with you. We're going to put a link up at, uh, uh, at kinderoutdoors.com for International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. Thank you so much for the time, Wayne. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, the same here, Billy. Thank you. I appreciate what you do for, you know, preserving conservation work and including the law enforcement aspect of it. God bless our game wardens and those that take care of them. And that should be you and me. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Calming Care from the trusted name Purina. It very gently over time settles the overbarker, the overjumper. If that's your dog, check into Calming Care. This is professional hunter Ivan Carter with Kinder Outdoors. Marshall, Mr. Crappie, invited you to the Crappie Expo 2023 at the BJCC, Birmingham, Alabama, September the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. More than 100 vendors with the latest and greatest crappie fishing products. Crappie Expo is the largest crappie fishing show on earth. Daily drawings and live music from Mustache and Jason D. Williams. Thanks for Trucks, Blues, Strike King, Hummingbird, Mencota, Beatdown Outdoors, and Lincoln's Landing. CrappieExpo.com, CrappieExpo.com. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. If you offer goods or services to the outdoorsman or woman, Kinder Outdoors is the perfect place to spread the word. At Kinder Outdoors, we reach tens of thousands of hunters, anglers, and outdoors folks each week that would appreciate hearing about you. For more information, visit KinderOutdoors.com and click the Advertise button. Then, view our media kit. Outdoor gear and skills are in high demand right now. Let us hear from you. The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops 
here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. Life is better outdoors. Relax and find your space at the beautiful vineyards, campground, and cabins on Grapevine Lake. Well known for its peaceful setting, lovely grounds, lakefront views, and accommodating Texas-friendly staff. Our full hookup sites can accommodate all bus or RV sizes and offer 50-amp service, many spacious pull-throughs, cable TV, and lightning-fast Wi-Fi. Our fully furnished cabins make it easy to feel miles away without actually roughing it. Enjoy a partially shaded private beach, large playground, fishing pier, water sport rentals, hiking trails, and more. The on-site camp store offers a wide selection of camping supplies, groceries, and gifts. Our landmark pavilion is perfect for your next reunion, rally, or wedding. You'll feel miles away from everything when you're only minutes from anything. Check out historic downtown Grapevine with various entertainment venues, large festivals and events, restaurants, wineries, shopping, and the new world-class Harvest Hall. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple. To put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org From the rough brush of South Texas to the thick bush of South Africa, it's Kinder Outdoors. Sunrise at the Vineyards Campground and Cabins, Grapevine Lake, Texas. They're special. Every single day they're special. The sunrise over the lake, life starting up in and around the water. Pretty cool. Good place. You ought to come and visit. Even if you don't have an RV, they've got great cabins with everything you need. Welcome back to the Camp House at Kinder Outdoors from the Vineyards Campground and Cabins. You know, it's almost time to uh, it's almost time to go duck hunting. I know it hasn't felt like it, but hey, it is. It's almost time for early teal, and then all the dominoes start to fall after that. What's it going to be like? Duck hunters always want to know, what kind of year are we going to have? Well, let's 
try to pry into that a little bit with Ducks Unlimited Senior Waterfowl Scientist, Mike Brashear. Welcome, Mike. I'm excited to talk to you. Hey, Billy. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a terrible time of year right now, Mike. It's 114 degrees every single day. I haven't seen a duck in months outside of the, you know, the, the uh, little city fountain in town. And it seems like it'll never get here. But just next month, early teal, it's time to get excited. That's right. Uh, you know, it, it gets here quick. It's like July is the time when it seems like it's, it's forever uh, before we're going to see that day. But then the calendar turns to August and Man, you can you can almost feel it. Um, it's definitely hot, but I think those of us that have been here before know what's right around the corner. Well, let's talk about the ducks a little bit. Um, the uh, four major flyways in the United States, uh, you know, those numbers fluctuate up and down, uh, and we just kind of want to break them down, take a look at those flyways a little bit for guys that are getting amped up and ready to go uh, next month and uh, in those ensuing months uh, as we get get ready. Um, I'm going to start out on the West Coast. I saw something from California uh, a week or two ago that said, hey, duck numbers are up 30%, and that can be a little misleading. 30% over last year doesn't mean 30% over long term, right? Uh, that's right. You know, I'm actually not sure. I don't have those California numbers in front of me, but California and the entire Pacific Flyway is a real interesting story. It's been happening over the past few years. Folks out there and others that have been tracking the situation will know that um, drought, like intense drought in California and all across the Intermountain West has been the story. Um, fortunately, the, 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 the wind shifted, you might say, and this past winter, beginning around December and certainly in through January and continuing on into some of the latter winter months and spring months, that, that area received, in a lot of cases, record snowfall. We've seen or seeing water in, in wetland basins this year out in California that we haven't seen in, in decades. Um, and it has refilled a lot of those reservoirs. It has made available water for, for management of, of like publicly owned and privately managed uh, wetlands in Central California, and and the ducks, you know, responded somehow. They found that water. I don't know where they came from, but uh, because production didn't happen between the time all that rain fell and between the time you know when they were counted. But yeah, duck numbers are definitely up as local breeders there in the Central Valley, and I'm sure that's the case in other parts of the Intermountain West that did see improvements, and that's a good thing. Because those areas produce a lot of ducks that are very important to hunters at that local scale. So uh, that's not obviously the only source of ducks for the Pacific Flyway, but that's, that's a big part of it. And they did see, as we expected, a huge rebound in, or a huge response, let me just say, of ducks to that water on the landscape. And we're expecting good production because of the abundance of that water throughout the summer. Um, they were able to plant all the rice that they normally do. That's a good thing. Big turnaround from last year. I think they were down about 50, 60 percent of rice production last summer because of the drought. Um, that is certainly not the case this year. There's sort of the full landscape of planted rice, and that's going to be good thing. Make mean uh, good news for wintering waterfowl and a lot of hunting opportunities for folks out there in the Central Valley, California. Hey, uh, let me ask you this, Mike. Is there such a thing as too much rainfall? Is there such a thing as too much flooding for, for waterfowl? Well, it depends on if you're a duck or a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> to the duck. <laughs> if, 
you know, I, I think it kind of depends on um, – I think the answer is, is going to be yes in some rare instances if you get it too deep um, where some of those food resources – too deep for too long, you're going to make some of those food resources inaccessible, um, and you're also going to kind of hinder opportunities for the production of, of vegetation, seed-producing vegetation, food, foods, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if we really reached that point, you know, in California this year. I, I, they have, I think they have pretty good water management capability out there. So, I, you know, there's going to be some ex- exceptions to that. But I think overall the water that we've seen, my understanding, I could be wrong on this, but my understanding is that the water we've seen out there is going to be a, a big benefit for, uh, for for ducks. And the other place where we can see too much water to kind of expand this a little bit, Billy, would be in some coastal marsh areas. I know working in Louisiana for a number of years, that was one of the things that we often heard is that there's, the water's too deep in the marsh. And that may, means it just basically makes the foraging depth less than ideal for a lot of those dabbling ducks and so makes some of those areas less attractive to, to waterfowl makes it harder for them to get resources and move moves birds around. So, yeah, that's a little bit of an answer yeah. for you there. Might move them around more than just blow them out and send them out of the out of the region. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's definitely going to it's definitely going to um as water gets deeper in some places, ideally it's going to get shallower and you're going to have new habitat in another. And so that's why in those years whether it be California or the, or the Mississippi Louisville Valley or the Gulf Coast, if you're able to stay mobile like the ducks are in response to those, cha- those changing habitat conditions, you're going to increase your opportunity and likelihood of being successful. Uh, let's move it over to the uh, a central flyway. Uh, a lot of folks on the Texas Gulf Coast, that Louisiana Gulf Coast, uh, I guess that's getting over into Mississippi, but I uh, mm-hmm. want to know, hey, how are we looking this year? What's it looking like? Well, so we want, you want to talk about Central Flyway or Central and Mississippi together because when you – I mean, sometimes it's easier to just talk about those together. Let's, let's do that, yeah. Okay. And, and you know, when we when we do that – and I guess I should say that the, when we're looking forward to the fall hunting season, the, the quote, fall flight number of birds that we're expecting to come down, we ha- have to start with a, a look at how conditions were in the breeding regions that delivered ducks. Um, for let's say the, the central Mississippi flyway in this particular case. And when we're talking about those two flyways, they get the majority of their birds, their ducks, and geese from what we refer to as the mid-continent. It's that portion of the northern reaches of the central Mississippi flyway, including Montana, the Dakotas, kind of eastern, um, I'm sorry, western Minnesota, and then on up into the prairie provinces of Canada and the boreal forest and all, all the way up into the Arctic and subarctic for where we look for goose production. Now, the Great Lakes provide some local production of mallards and a few other species, and that's certainly critical to the folks that are hunting there in the, in the Great Lakes. And, and some of those birds do come down a bit farther south also, but mid-continent is where the, the stronghold is for production of breeding ducks and geese that, that feed these two flyways. Um, and I... We don't have the numbers yet, Billy. We we are expecting, you know, Fish and Wildlife Service collaborates with the Canadian Wildlife Service and state and provincial partners every year. Um, you can go back a couple of years, and they had to suspend that survey due to the, the pandemic, but they've been up. Been, they resumed it last year and conducted it again this year. We're going to get the numbers, you know, the data from that survey here in a couple of weeks, and so we will have a much better understanding of what they saw, what they counted in terms of breeding duck populations and 
equally important, uh, the number of may ponds in that prairie pothole region of the of that mid-continent sort of traditional survey area as we kind of use some of that jargon. Mike, if you would hold your uh, point, that is Mike Brashear, Senior Waterfowl Scientist, Ducks Unlimited. We're going to talk with him throughout the show today with a lot more to come. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Fortiflora. America's number one canine probiotic. All of our dogs suffer from GI upset from time to time. Florida Flora fixes that. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Hi, this is Jim Zumbo, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Get off the beach and into the action. Enjoy world-class Costa Rican sport fishing with Carib Sea Sport Fishing. Marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and more. Inshore, offshore, overnight, seamounts. Carib Sea Sport Fishing will work with your group to customize the perfect trip. Half day, full day, every day. Your next getaway is the best ever. Take a look at catchafishincostarica.com. Catchafishincostarica.com. Com. U.S. Highway 287 carries elk hunters and fly fishers, snow skiers and bird dog chasers, 72-ounce steak eaters, buried Cadillac picture takers, antelopers, prairie doggers, and rattlesnakers. The Herdware Store sits on Highway 287 near Goodnight, Texas. Now, only 18 people live around here, so to keep the lights turned on, we need you 287 travelers to stop by. Come in out of the weather and take a look at the most unique store between the Gulf and Pacific coasts. One-of-a-kind artwork, jewelry, knives, and more. Feel the luxurious softness and warmth of bison socks, gloves, hats, beanies, blankets, and scarves. You'll think it's cashmere, and it's warmer than wool. Our sister company, Buffalo Wool, produces the finest bison products on the planet. The herdware store is boots and shoes, bison blankets and throws, even bison meats for the road. The Herdware Store, 42 miles southeast of Amarillo. Hey, drop by right now at herdware.net. At Marksman Firearms and Outfitters, you'll find a huge selection of firearms, ammo, fishing tackle, including rods, reels, lures, baits, and every accessory you can imagine. Whether you buy, sell, or trade, Marksman's mission is to guide and educate their customers, whether they're new to firearms or experienced, skilled shooters. Visit one of their stores in Mansfield, Granbury, Killeen, or Wichita Falls. For more info, go to MarksmanFirearms.com. Make your mark at Marksman. I want to urge you to plan what will be the trip of a lifetime to Argentina. Hunt doves or ducks with my friends at Cordoba Doves. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative, and he's right here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Call him at 817-797-9020. Like me, you can plan your next trip of a lifetime with Lane Balky and Cordoba Doves. We pick you up at the airport, and you're in our care custody control. All meals, all drinks, all eats are included in the package. Lane is a hunter himself, and when he describes that first morning that you'll witness in the field, it raises the hairs on the back of your neck. The first morning, the fly-off of the roost in the morning is spectacular. Birds, almost as far as you can see, and they fly like that all day until sunset. Come on, let's go to Argentina. It's closer than you think. Visit CordobaDoves.com or give Lane a call, 817-797-9020. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. 
From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and brown trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted, though, by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. NorfolkResort.com It is the dream of the animal rights fanatics to suppress your most natural connection to the earth. To sell you a life filled with urban fascinations. To ignore that death is life's unwavering partner. Together, creating a relationship between predator and prey that makes it possible for us all to survive. To the hunter, this world's most honest steward, these fantasies are the poisonous, perverted manipulations of social misfits who would take this planet hostage. They should startle you and awaken you to trust the hunter in your blood. Porching just for you. Glad you enjoy it. You're in camp with Kinder Outdoors. As always, I thank you for hanging out around our campfire at Kinder Outdoors. You guys uh, getting everything together and ready. Dove season opening up in just a few more days. You know, the national average out of a box of shells for dove hunters, the national average is two dead doves out of 25 shots. <laughs> So maybe around the sporting clays is in order this week, huh? Let's get back to our special guest from Ducks Unlimited, senior waterfowl scientist Mike Brashear joins us, rejoins us now. Thanks for hanging on, Mike. Talk to us a little bit about duck numbers where we're talking about the Central uh, Flyway and the Mississippi Flyway before the break. Do we have a good hatch up north? How did the year start out? Um I can I can tell you based on some reports, verbal reports, anecdotal reports that that the Dakotas were in really good condition. Uh, I think one of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service pilot biologists who've been flying some of the regions of North Dakota described it as the wettest that he had ever seen it. Um, for in, in, at least given the timing of the survey, I'm, I don't think North Dakota set a record in terms of the number of ponds that they counted on their state survey, but the pilot biologist for the Fish and Wildlife Service described it as one of the, the excellent conditions, basically, in that part of the Dakotas that he was flying. So that bodes well for the ducks that returned there. You know, interestingly, when you look at North Dakota's 
duck survey numbers, I think they were flat. It's been a while since I've been a few weeks since I've looked into those numbers, but I think their duck count was was flat, which is a little surprising. But you kind of also have to realize that ducks will spread out across that massive landscape, and so we won't know the the, the full picture until we get the numbers from the Fish and Wildlife Service report here in a couple of weeks, and it's gonna it's gonna tell us about ducks and where they settled all across that broad landscape I described. And so uh, I think what we're expecting in terms of duck numbers this year is something a little bit better than what we had last year. Uh, we go back to 2021 and 2020, you know, two and three years ago, and the words that we were using, things we were talking about then was extreme drought, almost record-setting drought in some portions of the prairies. So we know there wasn't a whole lot of production in 2021, and that production is what kind of carries over to the breeding population of 2022, which was last spring. That number from the traditional survey area was like just over 34.0 million um, for the yeah for the ducks counted there. And we are expecting a bit more production this year because habitat conditions had started to improve last year. So, you know, a friend of mine, Dr. Scott Stevens from DU Canada, we were, we were kind of, I think we were talking on the DU podcast episode here sometime recently about what we were expecting the number to be. And I can't remember what that was, but I'm going to have to go back and, um, have to go back and pull those numbers and see what we had guessed it would be. But regardless, we're expecting a little bit better breeding population number than last year. And with the, you know, good habitat, excellent habitat conditions in, let's say, the Dakotas, um, good habitat conditions, I think we're going to expect out of southern or southeastern Saskatchewan, some of those areas. Overall, I think we're expecting a little better than average production. Now, we don't really get production estimates, so even once we get the report, it's going to be a little bit of a, um, a known. But, you know, we'd have to wait until next year, I guess, to get any kind of index on what production was through age ratios and that kind of stuff and harvest. But, um but yeah, we're we're optimistic about kind of what what's going to be coming south this fall. I think um, certainly the Dakotas are going to crank out some ducks. We know that as we as Alberta state has, has continued to be dry, Western Saskatchewan has continued to be dry. So it's not going to be a banner year in terms of productivity, but it's going to be good. And I think that's reason to be optimistic. We're trending in the right direction. Boreal forest is always going to be stable. It's going to produce some ducks. I know there were some questions about wildfires. We can talk about that if you want to. But that's sort of the um, that's how I'm I'm seeing things right now. And Great Lakes, I think, probably going to produce some ducks. Um, well, they will. It was I think they had some um, some variable conditions across that landscape. And uh, I know Southern Ontario, I just returned from Southern Ontario visiting family. They were, the talk there was about how wet things had been. I can tell you that the wetlands in, in late or in early August were still in excellent condition. So any birds that would have settled in Southern Ontario should have had great habitat conditions, certainly would have had great brood rearing conditions. So there's, there are reasons to be um, optimistic across uh, a good portion of that breeding landscape. Hey, uh, tell me this as a duck hunter: Do you have a favorite duck? Do you, do you have one that just really gets you fired up? What are your, some of your favorite ducks? 
<laughs> yeah, I get to, I get that question a lot, and I think I've convinced myself that I have to come up with an answer. Typically, earlier earlier on, I would say, you know, I like them all. I've heard some people say my favorite duck is the next one in the decoys, and yeah, I can understand that too. But whenever I I kind of look at the ecology of the species and and kind of what it means to me personally and throughout my life, and in terms of where I grew up, but but also my experience is hunting. And I have to come back to the wood duck. It is a species that has that is one of the best success stories in modern wildlife management, almost hunted to extinction back in the or to let me just say incredibly low numbers back in the days of market hunting and unregulated harvest and it has recovered to multi million um you know breeding population size across the the flyways where it occurs. It's widely distributed locally produced and i guarantee you just like it has for me it has saved many a duck season for so many people out there because it, when years of, of dry conditions on the prairies not producing a whole lot of ducks there's a good chance that you're going to find some locally produced wood ducks that are going to going to make a day for you in the field so i got to go with the wood duck i grew up in mississippi you know so i mean they're okay. special for a lot of reasons yes they absolutely are just a beautiful little duck fun little ducks they're, they're great ducks to hang out with the kids and, and show them on, on the uh, pond out in the back well, of the place. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you can also – that provides an opportunity for some education and engagement around uh, wood duck nest boxes. Those things are – one of the most intensively studied aspects of waterfowl science is nest box programs for wood ducks. And we've learned a lot. And, you know, the funny thing is, as much as we've learned, we're still asking questions about exactly how much are we getting from those wood duck boxes in terms of a productivity standpoint and, and bolstering, you know, regional scale wood duck populations. But uh, there's no doubt that there have been many, many youth that have had an introduction to waterfowl through some activity associated with constructing, installing, and monitoring a wood duck box. Hey, Mike, I need to take a little break, but hang on. Have another cup of coffee because we're going to come back and talk about the East Coast. This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute, a focus on people that make a difference. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled, but we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids, and in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of outdoor adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want outdoor adventures in your local school, contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at KinderOutdoors.com. We're talking about East Coast Ducks, the Eastern Flyway, with Ducks Unlimited senior waterfowl scientist Mike Brashear when we come back from the coffee pot. Hi, everybody. It's World Championship caller Al Morris. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. 
the granddaddy of all hunting shows is back. The 2023 Hunters Extravaganza, August 18th through the 20th at the Freeman Coliseum Expo Hall. Fun for the whole family. Check out hunting seminars, all the latest hunting equipment, last season's best bucks from our annual deer contest, and for the little hunters, games, live alligators, snakes, and more. For details and tickets, go to huntersextravaganza.com. August 18th through the 20th at the Freeman Coliseum Expo Hall. The 2023 Hunters Extravaganza. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. John Payne and his Tejas Ranch Fence Company know that there's no cookie-cutter approach. Every job, every ranch, every lay of land is unique and custom. We're able to take a look at the owner's intent, the individual characteristics of the property, and really come up with a solution that works for them. We've got a great team here that has a passion for what we do. Your land, our passion. We love bringing out the best in your property. TejasRanchFence.com Crappie anglers, tired of tying knots? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about the all-new Add-A-Hook by Bullet Weights. The Add-A-Hook is designed to put a hook on your line without using any knots or cutting your line. Hold the Add-A-Hook next to your fishing line, then wrap the line five times around each side, pull your line into the clips, and bam, you're ready to go, and it will not slip. I can tie a double crappie rig in 30 seconds when it takes up to six minutes to tie one with all the knots. Add a hook is made of stainless steel, no rust, flexible, and tough. Mr. Crappie and Bullet Weights has made it better, faster, and easier for crappie fishermen to get back in the water catching more crappie than ever. Bullet Weights has a full line of Mr. Crappie double mental rigs for trolling and vertical fishing. The Mr. Crappie Troll Tech rigs are designed to troll in shallow waters and heavy cover, keeping two baits close together without hanging up. Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com. Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas Pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com. 
and just down the road. Come share our campfire at a good story or two. Kinder Outdoors. Thanks for hanging out with us at Kinder Outdoors from the Vineyards Campground and Cabins on Grapevine Lake, Texas. And by the way, heard something on the show, want to hear it again or know more about it, kinderoutdoors.com. Kinderoutdoors, K-I-N-D-E-R.com. We're visiting today with Mike Brashear. He is Senior Waterfowl Scientist with Ducks Unlimited. Thanks for your time today, Mike. Let's talk about that Atlantic Flyway. Now we've worked our way all the way across the country. I can tell you that the Atlantic Flyway is one of those that also gets some locally produced ducks. Uh, some, you know, up in the eastern portions of the Great Lakes. When we talk, I kind of, I kind of eased over into portions of the Atlantic Flyway in that previous conversation when I was talking about Ontario. But uh, there are a lot of locally produced mallards in the northeastern U.S. states. There are a lot of a lot of uh, ducks produced in uh, eastern Canada, the boreal forest of eastern Canada. Uh, black ducks, that's obviously a, a species that is a stronghold, or the Atlantic Flyway is a stronghold for the, for, the, for the black duck. It's a favorite species for hunters in that landscape. I've been fortunate to, to take a few of those myself uh, down in Mississippi, actually. And so I also worked in, in Ohio for a number of years, and so got to see many, many uh, of those birds, and they're just an absolutely gorgeous bird. You know, that's another, a little bit of a tangent here, Billy. That's another um, upbeat story for us is that uh, black ducks seem to have stabilized at uh, at a decent level here in recent years, and Fish and Wildlife Service actually increased the, the bag limit there on black ducks a few years ago. So that's a, uh, that's a, good, that's a good news story. And in terms of habitat conditions, um, and I guess let me before I do that, let me also say that um, the folks in the Atlantic Flyway are also going to be excited about the opportunity for those for that increased mallard bag limit this year, which is in response to the breeding population numbers that we saw last year. That uh, they moved from a, a least I'm assuming I don't know all these. Everybody needs to check their local regulations and all that kind of stuff. But I know a lot of those states were um, had had. Uh, embrace that opportunity for a four-bird, uh, four-mallard bag limit in response to that change from last year. So that's going to be another bright spot for Atlantic Flyway hunters. But definitely make sure folks check your local regulations on all that um, because it, it it varies so much. You know, states ultimately get are able to, to set those limits within the federal frameworks. But habitat conditions in the, in the eastern boreal forest, in my understanding, it was pretty stable. We had Sarah Fleming a uh, Director of Conservation Programs for the Northeastern U.S. for Ducks Unlimited on our podcast recently. She was giving us a bit of, bit of an update. Uh, those boreal forest habitats are, are pretty stable, and so we can always count on good production, stable production of mallards from that geography, black ducks, ringnecks, um, a few other species, from green wings, and even some pintails find their way over in the Atlantic Flyway to, to be produced in, in that eastern portion of Canada. And uh, you know, wildfires also affected some of those areas, but I don't think we're expecting those wildfires to have a measurable influence on any kind of production or duck numbers that we would see this year. So that's a good a good story. Um, and otherwise, it's it's been 
I, you know, I think pretty good, uh, pretty good conditions in the east, and we're expecting, you know, sort of typical production. The Atlantic Flyway isn't as driven, at least the number of ducks that folks are seeing in, in winter, isn't driven as heavily by production in the prairies, which is the geography of all those that are important for waterfowl. It's the geography that is most variable in terms of its conditions from year to year and its ability to produce ducks from year to year. So um, all those other areas, generally pretty stable. Atlantic Flyway falls into that category. I think they can be optimistic, at least in terms of what we're seeing breeding season-wise. Just got to hope for good conditions during fall and winter locally in terms of kind of how the habitats shape up and uh for, for hunting opportunities and, and for supporting waterfowl there in the region and then moving birds around. You gotta hope for that good, for the weather that, that forces birds to move around a little bit. Well, overall, sounds pretty good. Sounds optimistic. East to west, maybe a little uptick this year. Before long, we'll know for sure. That's right. I think that's a, it's a good way to, to summarize it. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to get out there, and I hope everyone else is. It will be here before you know it. And, you know, the um, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming out of Ducks Unlimited. We've got a few a few events that we're going to be sharing some, some of this information. So if people want the data, if they want the details, check out some of our DU channels, um, and there will be all sorts of opportunities for you to learn more about the actual numbers whenever they come out. And happy to come back on, Billy, if there's interest in us talking about those once we get the numbers. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Uh, and, and Mike, I, before we go, I want, I want a good duck recipe. Have you got a good duck recipe, one that you like, or do you leave I'm the cooking to someone else? No, I, I do cooking. You know, I, I like simple, and I also, I've kind of gotten into this, this, this deal where I like to, I like a recipe that allows me to still taste the animal itself, to, to, identify and appreciate or figure out that maybe it's something I don't want to do I don't want to eat as often again uh, the the individual flavor profile of those ducks and so this is a recipe I got from a good friend of mine Matt Kaminsky who's a DU biologist out in California it's real simple I like to leave the skin on I'll typically you know typically I'll I mean you can do this with a full carcass uh, if you wanted to um, but but typically I'll I'll take it off the breastplate, leave the skin on. I'll take the breast and the thigh and leg off the breastplate, and I've got these two halves, and I will put some olive oil on them. I'll sprinkle some rosemary, maybe a few other Italian spices on it, put it in a Ziploc bag or a glass container and let it marinate for, I don't know, six or eight hours. And then I cook it in a cast iron skillet and cook it to medium rare. I love it. My wife loves it. You can taste the individual flavors from one species to the next. And waterfowl, when not overcooked and done right, are an absolutely wonderful piece of meat. Absolutely. Very good. Mike, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Look forward to the next one. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Billy. Hey, as long as we're talking about ducks, let's talk about our duck dogs a little bit with the man. Tom Dockin, welcome back, Tom. Today we're going to talk about getting an appraisal of your dog, your dog's ability, and more importantly, uh, if you're starting off with a new dog or maybe you've got a dog that uh, you're trying to train yourself, there's a lot of wealth of information out there now on how to get your dog trained properly. You've got DVDs, you've got books, you can go online, you can go to YouTube. You know, things have changed so much over the year. But one thing that most everybody has in common is that if you start with a dog and you are the weak link, not knowing 
what you should be doing at what time of the training. You're actually, you know, in a sense, you're trying to build a house with no blueprint. And having a good blueprint of where to start is going to be something extremely important. I always tell people if you're a little unsure of what you're going to do, go see a pro trainer. Uh, Get an evaluation. Pay for an hour of that pro trainer's time. Tell them you want an evaluation of where your dog is at right now, but also tell them where you want to be at the end of the game. Uh, A professional trainer who's got years of experience has seen just about everything and should be in in pretty short order, be able to have you go through a few things with your dog while he's observing, get an idea of where the dog is at that particular time, and be able to set you up on a program where you can go home and start getting the best out of him. Also, it's also a good idea if you've got a young puppy that you're first starting off with, that's the ideal time to start getting involved with a professional trainer because he can prevent you from getting into a lot of bad habits with your dog and get the most out of him, especially at a young age. I actually prefer if somebody wants to talk to me, talk to me before you even get your puppy home because I feel that when you get your puppy home, that first day that you have contact with your puppy, that's when training is going to start. So don't hesitate. Get a hold of a professional trainer in your area if you've had you know, years of experience. Uh, it's probably going to be the best money you're going to spend over your dog's period of his life. Tom Dockin owns the famous Oak Ridge Kennels in Northfield, Minnesota. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Hi, this is Michael McDowell. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Share our campfire and a good story or two. Kinder Outdoors. Kinder Outdoors brought to you by Purina Pro Plan, the world's greatest dog fuel, hands down. Purina Pro Plan performance formula in the purple sport package. You'll find it at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. 30% protein, 20% fat. Exactly what your hard working bird dog needs. Pro Plan. At Atwoods, I was introduced to the International Wildlife Crime Stoppers Organization by my friend, Louis Rather. He's the former executive director. He has since stepped down, and a new man is at the helm, and that's Lieutenant Wayne Saunders. I wanted you to get to know him and the IWC a little bit better today. Thanks so much, Billy, for having me and to talk about International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. I'm really glad to have you here because you guys do important work, and I think a lot of people don't know uh, that you exist. We've all heard about, you know, wildlife crime stoppers, uh, maybe in our states and the different uh, programs that we have to battle poaching, uh, but a lot of people didn't know there's an international organization. You are the executive director of that organization. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yes, I'm a fairly new executive director, but I've been with the organization since 2008, so I'm I'm pretty well-versed in it. So um, we're, we're kind of like the parent company to the TIP programs, you know, across uh, North America, you know, the Turn in the Poachers, the Operation Game Thieves, the Wildlife Crime Stoppers, uh, that each state has some way to report wildlife crime. 
And what we do is we organize, we integrate, we network, and we work on bigger projects with them throughout. We just got done our conference, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, uh, improving data, improving sharing, uh, and we, we talk about how wildlife crime is reported uh, nationally and internationally. And we have also programs that uh, supplement some states. You know, uh, Indiana is working on a 2009 budget, so we're hoping to help supplement some of their things with educational, anti-poaching educational trailers that they can drive around the state and show people the good work they've done, educate them about poaching. We also have a decoy grant for states that have a hard time purchasing decoys or don't have funding for decoys. You know, that's decoy deer, decoy moose, decoy elk, uh, even decoy turkeys. So we're primarily in North America, although we've had some reaches in Africa and such, but we're primarily in North American. Members are usually law enforcement organizations across the United States and Canada. Yeah, very important work for you to have this kind of interest in our wildlife and wild places and the protection of those things. You must have a, a history there. Did you grow up hunting, fishing, and in the outdoors? I, I did. I did. I wanted to be a, a game warden since I was six years old. And every game warden writes a book when he retires, and I wrote a children's book, uh, The Cowboy in the Woods, that talks about <laughs> kind of my interaction with a game warden. It's my story just put to different names and in kind of a different thing and has a little investigation so I can inspire the next generation of game warden. But yeah, so I grew up hunting and fishing and that, that's what we did as a, as a family. And meeting that game warden in the woods at six years old had that profound impact on me where I wanted to do it for my career. And I was a, a conservation officer for the state of New Hampshire for 23 years and retired as a lieutenant. And now I'm involved with uh, International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. You know, if they go onto our website, wildlifecrimestoppers.org, there's, there's ways there that the people can help us. We're the kind of the catalyst to law enforcement, supporting law enforcement. If we think about the, the North American wildlife plan and how we implement that, we, we save land, we biologize, and I made up that word. I, I'll take credit totally. Someday it'll be in the Webster's Dictionary. I, I like that word. I like that word, Wayne. I'm introducing it to my vocabulary now. I'm writing that down. Please, please do. Because, you know, and, and that's great. There's a lot of nonprofit organizations that do that, but we forget about the teeth in the game. And without law enforcement, we can't be effective. And to be honest with you, I, I think states are reducing, you know, game wardens, and, and we're going to be the police in the woods. Uh, so, we need help. We need help organizations like, uh, you know, other nonprofits to help International Wildlife Crime Stoppers, and we are that catalyst to help law enforcement. Give us the website, Wayne. Tell us how we can get there. What is it? It's wildlifecrimestoppers.org. So wildlifecrimestoppers.org. Lieutenant Wayne Saunders, we want to stay in touch with you. We're going to put a link up at, uh, uh, at kinderoutdoors.com for International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. Thank you so much for the time, Wayne. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, the same here, Billy. Thank you. I appreciate what you do for, you know, preserving conservation work and including the law enforcement aspect of it. Hey, by the way, IWC uh, has a fundraiser in progress right now. It ends uh, along with August. When August comes to a close, so does this promotion. But uh, they're doing a, a, a promotion with Pampered Chef. Have you ever heard of Pampered Chef? Uh, quality kitchen products and when you shop 
from this specific link with IWC, 20 to 30% of your purchase goes to International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. Maybe that's a good fit for you or someone you know. Get a little Christmas shopping done early. It's at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, if you'd like more info. Thank you to my friends at Purina Pro Plan, not only for bringing us the radio show each week, but for keeping my dogs so physically fit and healthy for all these many years. There's a lot of different Pro Plan formulas, and you'll find them at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Hey, everybody, it's professional angler Ot Defoe. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. John Payne and his Tejas Ranch Fence Company know that there's no cookie-cutter approach. Every job, every ranch, every lay of land is unique and custom. We're able to take a look at the owner's intent, the individual characteristics of the property, and really come up with a solution that works for them. We've got a great team here that has a passion for what we do. Your land, our passion. We love bringing out the best in your property. TejasRanchFence.com Hey, it's Billy Kinder. If you've listened to me very long, you know that I depend on buffalo wool products to keep me warm in harsh winter conditions. But did you know that these highly effective buffalo fibers work equally well in the heat of summer? Their native rangelands goes from Toke, Alaska, down past Mexico City. Ron and Teresa Miskin have three decades of weaving perfection from those precious insulating fibers of the bison. And they put them to the test on the world's toughest playground, Alaska. That's our field testing. The moose hunting. Um, there's so much that goes on up there. The big advantage of bison fiber, besides the insulation, is it's moisture wicking and keeping your feet dry, your, your body dry, and that sweat away from there reduces the bacterial growth, reduces any foot fungus or anything like that. Bison fiber in a cowboy boot will run three to five degrees cooler than a cotton sock. Take a look at the new line of cool wicking buffalo wool for the summer. TheBuffaloWoolCo.com I didn't know buffaloes had wool. Yep. TheBuffaloWoolCo.com Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. If you offer goods or services to the outdoorsman or woman, Kinder Outdoors is the perfect place to spread the word. At Kinder Outdoors, we reach tens of thousands of hunters, anglers, and outdoors folks each week that would appreciate hearing about you. For more information, visit KinderOutdoors.com and click the Advertise button. Then, view our media kit. Outdoor gear and skills are in high demand right now. Let us hear from you. National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read, because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey... That's phony. This is, this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read The Tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The Tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon.
After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit joshuacreek.com. Good Conservation Company with Kender Outdoors. Speaking of conservation, Ducks Unlimited is hey, a worldwide leader in uh, conservation. They have uh, been the instigators and builders of a lot of fantastic programs that have been duplicated by other groups and organizations all around the world. Ducks Unlimited, keeping an eye on our ducks for us, and senior waterfowl scientist with Ducks Unlimited, Mike Brashear our special guest on the show today. It's sure good to have you with us, Mike. Hey, Billy. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a terrible time of year right now, Mike. It's 114 degrees every single day. I haven't seen a duck in months outside of the, you know, the, the uh, little city fountain in town. And it seems like it'll never get here. But just next month, early teal. It's time to get excited. That's right. Uh, you know, it, it gets here quick. It's like July is the time when it seems like it's, it's forever uh, before we're going to see that day. But then the calendar turns to August, and, man, you can you can almost feel it. Um, it's definitely hot, but I think those of us that have been here before know what's right around the corner. Well, let's talk about the ducks a little bit. Um, the uh, four major flyways in the United States, uh, you know, those numbers fluctuate up and down. Uh, and we just kind of want to break them down, take a look at those flyways a little bit for guys that are getting amped up and ready to go uh, next month and uh, in those ensuing months uh, as we get get ready. Uh, I'm going to start out on the West Coast. I saw something from California uh, a week or two ago that said, hey, duck numbers are up 30%, and that can be a little misleading. 30% over last year doesn't mean 30% over long term, right? Uh, that's right. You know, I'm actually not sure. I don't have those California numbers in front of me, but California and the entire Pacific Flyway is a real interesting story. It's been happening over the past few years. Folks out there and others that have been tracking the situation will know that um, drought, like intense drought in California and all across the Intermountain West has been the story. Um, fortunately, the, 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 the wind shifted, you might say, and this past winter, beginning around December and certainly in through January and continuing on into some of the latter winter months and spring months, that that area received, in a lot of cases, record snowfall. We've seen or seeing water in in wetland basins this year out in California that we haven't seen in, in decades. Um, and it has refilled a lot of those reservoirs. It has made available water for, for management of, of 
like publicly owned and privately managed uh, wetlands in Central California, and and the ducks, you know, responded somehow. They found that water. I don't know where they came from, but uh, because production didn't happen between the time all that rain fell and between the time you know when they were counted. But yeah, duck numbers are definitely up as local breeders there in the Central Valley, and I'm sure that's the case in other parts of the Intermountain West that did see improvements, and that's a good thing because those areas produce a lot of ducks that are very important to hunters at that local scale. So uh, that's not obviously the only source of ducks for the Pacific Flyway, but that's, that's a big part of it, and they did see, as we expected, a huge rebound in or huge response, let me just say, of ducks to that water on the landscape, and we're expecting good production because of the abundance of that water throughout the summer. Um, they were able to plant all the rice that they normally do, that's a good thing. Big turnaround from last year. I think they were down about 50, 60 percent of rice production last summer because of the drought. Um, that is certainly not the case this year. There's sort of the full landscape of planted rice, and that's going to be good thing. Make mean uh, good news for wintering waterfowl and a lot of hunting opportunities for folks out there in the Central Valley, California. Hey, uh, let me ask you this, Mike. Is there such a thing as too much rainfall? Is there such a thing as too much flooding for, for waterfowl? Well, it depends on if you're a duck or a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> to the duck. <laughs> you know, I, I think it kind of depends on um, – I think the answer is, is going to be yes in some rare instances if you get it too deep. Um, where some of those food resources, too deep for too long, you're going to make some of those food resources inaccessible, um, and you're also going to kind of hinder opportunities for the production of, of vegetation, seed-producing vegetation, food, foods, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if we really reached that point, you know, in California this year. I, they have, I think they have pretty good water management capability out there. So I, you know, there's going to be some exceptions to that, but I think overall the water that we've seen, my understanding, I could be wrong on this, but my understanding is that the water we've seen out there is going to be a, a big benefit for, uh, for for ducks. And the other place where we can see too much water to kind of expand this a little bit, Billy, would be in some coastal marsh areas. I know working in Louisiana for a number of years, that was one of the things that we often heard is that there's, the water's too deep in the marsh. And that makes, means it just basically makes the foraging depth less than ideal for a lot of those dabbling ducks. And so makes some of those areas less attractive to, to waterfowl makes it harder for them to get resources and move moves birds around. So, yeah, that's a little bit of an answer yeah. for you there. Might move them around more than just blow them out and send them out of the out of the region. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's definitely going to it's definitely going to um as water gets deeper in some places, ideally it's going to get shallower and you're going to have new habitat in another. And so that's why in those years whether it be California or the, or the Mississippi Louisville Valley or the Gulf Coast, if you're able to stay mobile like the ducks are in response to those, cha those changing habitat conditions, you're going to increase your opportunity and likelihood of being successful. Uh, let's move it over to the uh, a central flyway. Uh, a lot of folks on the Texas Gulf Coast, that Louisiana Gulf Coast, uh, I guess that's getting over into Mississippi, but I uh, mm -hmm. want to know, hey, how are we looking this year? What's it looking like? Well, so we want, you want to talk about Central Flyway or Central and Mississippi together? Because when you, I mean, sometimes it's easier just to talk about those together. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. 
Okay, and and you know when we when we do that, and I guess I should say that the, when we we're looking forward to the fall hunting season, the the quote fall flight number of birds that we're expecting to come down, we ha- have to start with a, a look at how conditions were in the breeding regions that delivered ducks um, for let's say the, the central Mississippi flyway in this particular case. And when we're talking about those two flyways, they get the majority of their birds, their ducks, and geese from what we refer to as the mid continent. It's that portion of the northern reaches of the central Mississippi Flyway, including Montana, the Dakotas, kind of eastern, um, I'm sorry, western Minnesota, and then on up into the prairie provinces of Canada and the boreal forest and all all the way up into the Arctic and subarctic for where we look for goose production. Now, the Great Lakes provide some local production of mallards and a few other species, and that's certainly critical to the folks that are hunting there in the in the Great Lakes. And, and some of those birds do come down a bit farther south also. But mid-continent is where the, the stronghold is for production of breeding ducks and geese that, that feed these two flyways. Um, and I, we don't have the numbers yet, Billy. We, we are expecting, you know, Fish and Wildlife Service collaborates with the Canadian Wildlife Service and state and provincial partners every year. Um, you can go back a couple of years, and they had to suspend that survey due to uh, the pandemic, but they've been up. Been, they resumed it last year and conducted it again this year. We're going to get the numbers, you know, the data from that survey here in a couple of weeks, and so we will have a much better understanding of what they saw, what they counted in terms of breeding duck populations, and equally important, uh, the number of may ponds in that prairie pothole region of the of that mid-continent sort of traditional survey area as we kind of use some of that jargon. A lot more to come from Mike Brashear, uh, waterfowl, senior waterfowl scientist uh, with Ducks Unlimited. Good stuff as we take a look at the four major flyways uh, that bring our waterfowl south to north and then back north again here in the uh, U.S. See what fall looks like. A little sneak peek with early teal on the way right around the corner. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Purina ProPlan. So many different ProPlan formulas because there are so many different dogs. And a ProPlan formula for your dog, no matter the age or lifestyle, is waiting on you at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, and Texas. I'm Canadian Moose Guide, Norma Great. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it. With Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. When we're not on the road hunting or fishing America, Kinder Outdoors calls the vineyards, campground, and cabins in Grapevine, Texas, home. It has everything I need to prepare and broadcast coast-to-coast and border-to-border each week. Full hookups, cable TV, and 50-amp service at every RV site. Strong Wi-Fi that's powerful enough to ship Kinder Outdoors to you, no matter where you are in the U.S. or Canada. Most importantly, I can walk out of my fifth wheel and launch my boat at the Vineyards boat ramp without ever leaving the gated property. There's a sandy beach, a fully stocked camp store complete with firewood, groceries, and even commonly needed RV supplies. Rent a golf cart to make your way around this giant park, located on the shores of Grapevine Lake, Texas. Every single cabin and RV is lakefront or lake view, and you're just blocks away from Main Street Grapevine with fantastic shopping and dining. 
As you can imagine, the Vineyards Campground and Cabin stays pretty busy, so why don't you block a little time right now at VineyardsCampground.com. Hey, San Antonio, get the Hunter's Extravaganza on your calendar. Yes, it's coming back to the birthplace of the Texas Trophy Hunter's Extravaganza, August 18, 19, and 20 at the Freeman Coliseum Expo Hall. Block the calendar out. Block the whole weekend out. You know the drill. Seminars, all the latest gear, big bucks, live gators, snakes, it's all there. The Hunter's Extravaganza at the Freeman Coliseum Expo Hall, August 18th through the 20th. Get off the beach and into the action. Enjoy world-class Costa Rican sport fishing with Carib Sea Sport Fishing, marlin, sailfish, rooster fish, and more. Inshore, offshore, overnight, seamounts. Carib Sea Sport Fishing will work with your group to customize the perfect trip. Half day, full day, every day. Your next getaway is the best ever. Take a look at catchafishincostarica.com. Catchafishincostarica.com. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. The True Life Taxidermy Studio in Granbury, Texas, has won Best Studio in the State of Texas time after time after time. Roy Holdridge and his True Life staff of artists take your memories to a higher level, a degree of professionalism and perfection that matches the memory of the hunt or that fishing trip. True Life can create and integrate lifelike landscape, multiple animals, fish, and fowl. International shipping and trophy care is turnkey when you turn it over to Roy Holdridge and True Life in Granbury, Texas. My home is a testament to the impeccable work of True Life Taxidermy. The ducks, pheasant, deer, and fish are realistic and they last. A special deer in memory on my wall dates back nearly 30 years and still looks fresh and new. Preserve that special memory this year with True Life Taxidermy. Visit the 1,800-square-foot trophy room and see Roy's talent on display. True Life Taxidermy is online at truelifetaxidermy.org. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. 
To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. Camp house floor creaks a little, but don't worry. You're on solid ground with Kinder Outdoors. Kinder Outdoors coming to you from the Vineyards Campground and Cabins, Grapevine Lake, Texas, visiting today with senior waterfowl scientist with Ducks Unlimited, Mike Brashear. And we were talking about the Central and Mississippi flyways headed into the break. How did we look up north this spring, Mike? Did we have a good hatch? Um I can I can tell you based on some reports, verbal reports, anecdotal reports that that the Dakotas were in really good condition. Uh, I think one of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service pilot biologists who's been flying some of the regions of North Dakota described it as the wettest that he had ever seen it. Um, for in, in, at least given the timing of the survey, I'm, I don't. Think North Dakota set a record in terms of the number of ponds that they counted on their state survey, but the pilot biologist for the Fish and Wildlife Service described it as one of the, the excellent conditions, basically, in that part of the Dakotas that he was flying. So that bodes well for the ducks that returned there. You know, interestingly, when you look at North Dakota's duck survey numbers, I think they were flat. It's been a while since I've been a few weeks since I've looked into those numbers, but I think their duck count was was flat, which is a little surprising. But you kind of also have to realize that ducks will spread out across that massive landscape, and so we won't know the, the, the full picture until we get the numbers from the Fish and Wildlife Service report here in a couple of weeks, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to tell us about ducks and where they settled all across that broad landscape I described. And so uh, I think what we're expecting in terms of duck numbers this year is something a little bit better than what we had last year. Uh, we go back to 2021 and 2020, you know, two and three years ago, and the words that we were using, things we were talking about then was extreme drought, almost record-setting drought in some portions of the prairies. So we know there wasn't a whole lot of production in 2021, and that production is what kind of carries over to the breeding population of 2022, which was last spring. That number from the traditional survey area was like just over 34.0 million um, for the yeah for the ducks counted there, and we are expecting a bit more production this year because habitat conditions had started to improve last year. So you know, a friend of mine, Dr. Scott Stevens from DU Canada, we were I, I, we were kind of I think we were talking on the DU podcast episode here sometime recently about you know, what we were expecting the number to be, and I can't remember what that was, but I'm going to have to go back and um, I have to go back and pull those numbers and see what we had guessed it would be. But regardless, we're expecting a little bit better breeding population number than last year, and with the you know, good habitat, excellent habitat conditions in let's say the Dakotas. Um, good habitat conditions, I think we're going to expect out of southern or southeastern Saskatchewan, some of those areas. Overall, I think we're expecting a little better than average production. Now, we don't really get production estimates, so even once we get the report, it's going to be a little bit of a, um, a known. But, you know, we'd have to wait until next year, I guess, to get any kind of index on what production was through age ratios and that kind of stuff and harvest. But 
Um, but yeah, we're we're optimistic about kind of what what's going to be coming south this fall. I think um, certainly the Dakotas are going to crank out some ducks. We know that as we as Alberta state has has continued to be dry. Western Saskatchewan has continued to be dry, so it's not going to be a banner year in terms of productivity, but it's going to be good, and I think that's reason to be optimistic. We're trending in the right direction. Boreal forest is always going to be stable. It's going to produce some ducks. I know there were some questions about wildfires. We can talk about that if you want to, but that's sort of the um, – that's how I'm I'm seeing things right now. And Great Lakes, I think, probably going to produce some ducks. Um, well, they will. It was – I think they had some um, some variable conditions across that landscape, and uh, I know Southern Ontario. I just returned from Southern Ontario visiting family. They were the talk there was about how wet things had been. I can tell you that the wetlands in in late or in early August were still in excellent condition. So any birds that would have settled in Southern Ontario should have had great habitat conditions. Certainly would have had great brood rearing conditions. So there's, there are reasons to be um, optimistic across uh, a good portion of that breeding landscape. Hey, uh, tell me this as a duck hunter. Do you have a favorite duck? Do you, do you have one that just really gets you fired up? What are your, some of your favorite ducks? <laughs> yeah, I get, the, I, I get that question a lot, and I think I've convinced myself that I have to come up with an answer. Typically, earlier, earlier on, I would say, you know, I like them all. I've heard some people say my favorite duck is the next one in the decoys, and, yeah, I can understand that, too. But whenever I, I kind of look at the ecology of the species and, and kind of what it means to me personally and throughout my life and in terms of where I grew up, but, but also my experience is hunting – and I have to come back to the wood duck. It is a species that has that is one of the best success stories in modern wildlife management, almost hunted to extinction back in the or to let me just say incredibly low numbers back in the days of market hunting and unregulated harvest and it has recovered to multi million um you know breeding population size across the the flyways where it occurs. It's widely distributed. It's locally produced, and I guarantee you, just like it has for me, it has saved many a duck season for so many people out there because it, when years of, of dry conditions on the prairies, not producing a whole lot of ducks, there's a good chance that you're going to find some locally produced wood ducks that are going to, going to make a day for you in the field. So i got to go with the wood duck. I grew up in Mississippi, you know, so, I mean, they're okay. special for a lot of reasons. Yes, they absolutely are. Just a beautiful little duck, fun little ducks. They're, they're yeah, great ducks to hang out with the kids and, and show them on, on the uh, pond out in the back well, of the place. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you can also – that provides an opportunity for some education and engagement around uh, wood duck nest boxes. Those things are – one of the most intensively studied aspects of waterfowl science is nest box programs for wood ducks. And we've learned a lot. And, you know, the funny thing is, as much as we've learned, we're still asking questions about exactly how much are we getting from those wood duck boxes in terms of a productivity standpoint and, and bolstering, you know, regional scale wood duck populations. But uh, there's no doubt that there have been many, many youth that have had an introduction to waterfowl through some activity associated with constructing, installing, and monitoring a wood duck box. Yep. Hey, we're going to talk about the Atlantic Flyway when we come back from the coffee pot. But real quick, we're talking ducks, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with duck dogs. Tom Dockin.
Today we're going to talk about getting an appraisal of your dog, your dog's ability, and more importantly, uh, if you're starting off with a new dog or maybe you've got a dog that uh, you're trying to train yourself, there's a lot of wealth of information out there now on how to get your dog trained properly. You've got DVDs, you've got books, you can go online, you can go to YouTube. If you start with a dog and you are the weak link, not knowing what you should be doing at what time of the training, you're actually, you know, in a sense, you're trying to build a house with no blueprint. And having a good blueprint of where to start is going to be something extremely important. I always tell people if you're a little unsure of what you're going to do, go see a pro trainer. Uh, get an evaluation. Pay for an hour of that pro trainer's time. Tell them you want an evaluation of where your dog is at right now, but also tell them where you want to be at the end of the game. Uh, a professional trainer who's got years of experience has seen just about everything and should be in, in pretty short order, be able to have you go through a few things with your dog while he's observing, get an idea of where the dog is at that particular time, and be able to set you up on a program where you can go home and start getting the best out of him. Also, it's also a good idea if you've got a young puppy that you're first starting off with. That's the ideal time to start getting involved with a professional trainer because he can prevent you from getting into a lot of bad habits with your dog and get the most out of him, especially at a young age. I actually prefer if somebody wants to talk to me, talk to me before you even get your puppy home because I feel that when you get your puppy home, that first day that you have contact with your puppy, that's when training is going to start. So don't hesitate. Get a hold of a professional trainer in your area if you've had you know, years of experience. Uh, it's probably going to be the best money you're going to spend over your dog's period of his life. Looking for a new boat? Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here, inviting you to the Mr. Crappie Classic On the Water Boat Show at Lincoln's Landing in Lincoln, Alabama, September the 23rd, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Test drive the latest and greatest fishing and pleasure boats, plus marine and tackle manufacturers, food trucks, and music. Thanks, Bass Cat, Express, Camus, Sea Ark, and Vectus Boats. Don't forget, Lincoln's Landing, September the 23rd. CrappieExpo.com, CrappieExpo.com. When you drop your wild game off at Cinnamon Creek Ranch Wild Game Processing, go ahead, order up your ground meat and breakfast sausage. But don't stop there. We worked on a taco meat for three years to where women and kids would eat it, and a chili that we make now where you just take these things home and just throw them in a crock pot or fry them in a pan and they're ready to go. Our tamales are probably hands down to anyone's. They're double meat and, you know, masa. And they're simple. And they're, and they're, we just can't make them fast enough. They're fully cooked. All you gotta do is poke two or three holes in the bag that we give them to you in and throw them in the microwave for three and a half minutes aside. And it's like we just pulled them out of our steamer the day we made them. These items have become staples in our home. Robin's favorite is the taco meat. I'm partial to the tamales. And what a feast when we put it all together for friends and family. Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing, just north of Fort Worth, about a mile from Cabela's as the crow flies. CinnamonCreekRanch.com. At Marksman, we know firearms. Our mission is to guide and educate, whether you're new to firearms or an experienced, skilled shooter. We offer a large selection at reasonable prices with staff that's truly knowledgeable and always puts the customer first. 
Military and first responders get a 10% discount. And we offer free 90-day layaway. For guns, ammo, optics, or accessories, head to Marksman Firearms in Granbury, Mansfield, Colleen, or Wichita Falls. Make your mark at Marksman. You know, as bird hunters and bird dog owners, we've seen our wild bird hunting opportunities dwindle in recent years. And if you, like me, don't want to kennel your bird dog in the spring just to let him hibernate till fall, then you should take a long look at the world's largest field trial organization, the National Shoot to Retrieve Association, or NASTRA. This was the very idea of NASTRA's founding fathers back in the 1960s. They wanted to extend time in the field with the dogs that they loved. And it must have been a pretty good idea, because over the years, many thousands of men, women, teens, and families have enjoyed participating in NASTRA field trials. All pointing breeds are welcome, and there's no need to be intimidated. NASTRA sponsors over 1,000 field trials across the U.S. and Canada each year. It's at these trials where your dog can earn his NASTRA championship, qualify for entry into your regional championship, and NASTRA's five national championships. Take a look at our website nstra.org and consider visiting a local trial. We look forward to meeting you. They call it Couples by the Creek at Cinnamon Creek Ranch. So the Couples by the Creek is an event we do once a month. It is a time where there's no kids allowed, so the parents are, can come out uh, for a great evening. We bring them all into the arena and start out shooting in here. We get the skeet shooting going, archery tag. Joe and Nola do a phenomenal dinner afterwards. All your food, all the bow rentals, you don't. You can bring your own equipment if you'd like, but you don't have to. Uh, most of the people that come to the Couples by the Creek have never shot a bow. And we have groups of ladies that come, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a couple. We've had four or five guys come together. So it's just a night uh, away from the kiddos, uh, get out and have a good time and, and have a safe time. But we have a DJ usually afterwards. Let's play some music, get a little dancing going uh, with a great meal to follow. Couples by the Creek at Cinnamon Creek Ranch. It's the dangest date you've ever taken her on. And she just might fall in love with both shooting or with you that's okay cinnamon creek ranch has the largest archery pro shop on planet earth and we do weddings cinnamoncreekranch.com bring the kids along this is where heritage is guarded just for them Kinder Outdoors. Visiting with Mike Brashear today at Kinder Outdoors, senior waterfowl scientist with Ducks Unlimited. We've worked our way all the way across the country to that Atlantic flyaway. Mike, what can you tell us? I can tell you that the Atlantic flyaway is one of those that also gets some locally produced ducks, uh, some, you know, up in the eastern portions of the Great Lakes. When we talk, I kind of I kind of eased over into portions of the Atlantic Flyway in that previous conversation when I was talking about Ontario. But uh, there are a lot of locally produced mallards in the northeastern U.S. states. There are a lot of, a lot of uh, ducks produced in uh, eastern Canada, the boreal forest of eastern Canada. Uh, black ducks, that's obviously a, a species that is a stronghold, or the Atlantic Flyway is a stronghold for the, for, the, for the black duck. It's a favorite species for hunters in that landscape. I've been fortunate to to take a few of those myself uh, down in Mississippi, actually. And so I also worked in, in Ohio for a number of years, and so got to see many, many uh, of those birds. And they're just an absolutely gorgeous bird. You know, that's another a little bit of a tangent here, Billy. That's another um, upbeat story for us is that uh, black ducks seem to have stabilized at uh, at 
a decent level here in recent years, and Fish and Wildlife Service actually increased the the bag limit there on black ducks a few years ago. So that's a uh, that's a good that's a good news story. And in terms of habitat conditions, um, and I guess let me before I do that, let me also say that um, the folks in the Atlantic Flyway are also going to be excited about the opportunity for those for that increased mallard bag limit this year which is in response to the breeding population numbers that we saw last year that uh, they moved from a at least i'm assuming i don't know all the everybody needs to check their local regulations and all that kind of stuff but i know a lot of those states were um had had uh, embraced that opportunity for a four bird uh, four mallard bag limit in response to that change from last year. So that's going to be another bright spot for Atlantic Flyway hunters. But definitely make sure folks check your local regulations on all that. Um, and because it, it, is, it varies so much. You know, states ultimately get are able to, to set those limits within the federal frameworks. But habitat conditions in the, in the eastern boreal forest, in my understanding, it was pretty stable. We had Sarah Fleming, a director of conservation programs for the northeastern U.S. for Ducks Unlimited on our podcast recently. She was giving us a bit of, bit of an update. Uh, those boreal forest habitats are, are pretty stable, and so we can always count on good production, yeah. stable production of mallards from that geography, black ducks, ringnecks, um, a few other species, from green wings, and even some pintails find their way over in the Atlantic Flyway to, to be produced in, in that eastern portion of Canada. And you know, wildfires also affected some of those areas, but I don't think we're expecting those wildfires to have a measurable influence on any kind of production or duck numbers that we would see this year. So that's a good a good story. Um, and otherwise, it's it's been, you know, I think pretty good, uh, pretty good conditions in the east, and we're expecting, you know, sort of typical production. The Atlantic Flyway isn't as driven, at least the number of ducks that folks are seeing in, in winter, isn't driven as heavily by production in the prairies, which is the geography of all those that are important for waterfowl. It's the geography, geography that is most variable in terms of its conditions from year to year and its ability to produce ducks from year to year. So um, all those other areas, generally pretty stable. Atlantic Flyway falls into that category. I think they can be optimistic at least in terms of what we're seeing breeding season-wise. Just got to hope for good conditions during fall and winter locally in terms of kind of how the habitats shape up and uh, for, for hunting opportunities and, and for supporting waterfowl there in the region and then moving birds around. Got to hope for that good, for the weather that, that forces birds to move around a little bit. Well, overall, sounds pretty good. Sounds optimistic. East or west, maybe a little uptick this year. Before long, we'll know for sure. That's right. I think that's a, it's a good way to, to summarize it. So, uh, you know, excited to get out there, and I hope everyone else is. It will be here before you know it. And, you know, the um, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming out of Ducks Unlimited. We've got a few a few events that we're going to be sharing some some of this information. So if people want the data, if they want the details, check out some of our DU channels, um, and there will be all sorts of opportunities for you to learn more about the actual numbers whenever they come out. And happy to come back on, Billy, if there's interest in us talking about those once we get the numbers. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Uh, and, and Mike, I, before we go, I want I want a good duck recipe. If you got a good duck recipe, one that you like, or do you leave the cooking to someone else? No, I, I do cooking. You know, I I like simple 
and I also I've kind of gotten into this 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 deal where I like to I like a recipe that allows me to still taste the animal itself to 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 identify and appreciate or figure out that maybe it's something I don't want to do, I don't want to eat as often again uh, the the individual flavor profile of those ducks and so this is a recipe I got from a good friend of mine Matt Kaminsky who's a DU biologist out in California it's real simple I like to leave the skin on I'll typically you know typically I'll I mean you can do this with a full carcass uh, if you wanted to um, but but typically I'll I'll take it off the breastplate, leave the skin on. I'll take the breast and the thigh and leg off the breastplate, and I've got these two halves, and I will put some olive oil on them. I'll sprinkle some rosemary, maybe a few other Italian spices on it, put it in a Ziploc bag or a glass container and let it marinate for, I don't know, six or eight hours. And then I cook it in a cast iron skillet and cook it to medium rare. I love it. My wife loves it. You can taste the individual flavors from one species to the next. And waterfowl, when not overcooked and done right, are an absolutely wonderful piece of meat. Absolutely. Very good. Mike, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Look forward to the next one. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Billy. Hey, before we close the door on this one, I want to say hello to my friend, Dr. Cody Palmer with Big Country Veterans. They've got something special going on. Welcome back, Cody. And tell everybody who doesn't know... Who is Big Country Veterans? Absolutely. Big Country Veterans is a nonprofit organization focused on bringing communities together to help veterans and their families conquer life after combat. Yeah, and you guys do a marvelous job. Uh, you take these guys on, on, on trips out to West Texas. You do couples. Uh, yeah. Tell us real quick about why you bring the couples together. I've heard of a lot of organizations yeah, that will take veterans out, but you guys focus <laughs> on couples a lot. Actually, is a kind of a uh, call to action from our veterans that have been through our program, and now what we consider part of our Big Country Veterans family. They said, you know, we had a great experience personally, and we wanted to see if we could invite our loved ones out here for that same experience because they they had a little bit of a trouble, you know, going back and explaining it and really sharing uh, the growth that they have being a part of our organization. So, what better way than invite them out on a couples retreat uh, on the same ranch that we do our annual hog hunt? And them to experience, you know, working with horses, doing things at the gun range, just different activities that they might not be able to do back home and share that experience uh, together as a couple. Yeah, uh, combat is hard when you come back. Uh, this Anything like that to strengthen that marriage is great. It takes Absolutely. money to do all of this, and you're, you're having a, a sporting clay shoot just in time for dove season. That's right, the weekend before opening weekend. That's one of the reasons we, put, we chose that day. But, uh, yes, August 25th. Uh, at Defender Clay Sports Ranch there in Fort Worth, Texas. That morning we're going to be having a charity clay shoot, and all the proceeds are going to be supporting our veteran support programs, which includes a couple of retreats, also family retreats, what we kind of term our continued camaraderie initiative where we bring our alumni back together and continue that relationship that we have built, uh, family nights uh, with the veterans, also alumni gatherings throughout the year, and our really excited, our newly uh, launched service dog program. And so all proceeds will kind of be benefiting those things that continue and hopefully make lifelong impacts for our veterans uh, through our organization. Awesome. Cody, tell us where we can go online to learn more about the shoot. Absolutely. BigCountryVeterans.org. You can go on there and click on our events link, and it's there for also sponsorships and if you just like to register a team uh, for that event. Perfect. Cody, always good talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for hanging out around our campfire today. I also want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we have together here and invite you back next time around. 
Till then, may God bless you and your bunch.